Did you know that the perfect snack exists that not only has the yum factor, because that's important, but also packs a real protein punch? I'm talking about Wonderful Pistachios, a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids. Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Now that's a snack you can feel really good about. It's hard for me to currently pick a fave because they have several flavors to choose from, including no salt and jalapeno lime options. But if I absolutely had to, I'd say I'm in my no shells, wonderful pistachios, sea salt and vinegar era. It's the ultimate snacking solution for when you need a quick, convenient and tasty boost of pistachio goodness straight out of the bag. Whether you enjoy the ritual of cracking open each nut or you lean towards the ease of no shells, Wonderful Pistachios has something for everyone. It's time to elevate your snacking game with Wonderful Pistachios. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Hey guys, what's going on? This is Brie with Brown Girl Self Care. Hope you're having an amazing start to your week. Today I am speaking with Zakia Walker. Uh, she's a personal revolution coach and strategist, legacy strategist for uh, black women. And she's committed to helping black women remove their crowns of thorns and heal from societal, generational and ancestral trauma, which is kind of what we're going to be talking about today. Um, trigger warning uh, is in this episode, she does discuss suicide. And also we dive into how trauma is passed down through our DNA, um, strong black woman syndrome, which uh, I'm sure we've all had a touch of that at some point in our lives. And also growing up with a, with a parenting system uh, involved in toxic relationships and how that uh, resulted in um, an altered view uh, on relationships and how that affected her life. So uh, let's go ahead and jump into today's episode. Hey, Zakia, thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm extremely excited. I am so, so, so happy to speak with you. Uh, I'm so glad that you reached out to me and connected regarding us having a conversation surrounding some of the stuff that you talk about on your website. And I'm just really excited to jump, just jump right in. So um, can you just, before I just go into all my questions, can you give um, the audience a little more background on, on who you are and what you do? Sure. My name is Zakia Walker. I am a personal revolution coach and legacy strategist for Black women. Um, so what did I, I do is I help Black women heal from ancestral trauma, get rid of generational baggage, and throw away strong Black women syndrome to, the, to create the life they want to live on their own terms and on purpose. Hmm, that sounds so amazing. So like, how did you even, how did you end up, how did you know that was your purpose? How did you fall into that? or go and in, walk into that type of um, career? Like most people, I, I really didn't know that was my purpose. Yeah. I knew I wanted to be in business and I knew I wanted to be in service to people. Mm -hmm. So I started about five years ago um, doing what I called rebellious spirit coaching. And that was for people who were spiritual, but not religious. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that's it's very difficult to all essentially come out of the closet and tell people in the world when we're such a, a religion based society that you're not terribly religious, but you, your spirituality is something different. Mm -hmm. um, and I did that for about three or four years. Um, and then I realized that my clients that were black women 
needed a different kind of help, a little more help um, in a way that I was not providing. And I realized that was something that was being neglected. Black women are just different. We face different obstacles in the world that no one can negate. Um, essentially, we, we the world was born of a Black woman's womb. Mm. So we have this intrinsic tie, this intrinsic feeling to take care of the world, to carry the world on our shoulders at all times. Because, you know, that's what mothers do. Mm-hmm. They care about everything. Everything is their responsibility. So when you literally gave birth to the world, every being came from your womb, you feel this obligation to take care of it. And we're not living our our, our own lives because of that expectation. Um, we love calling ourselves strong Black women or, mm-hmm. or people outside love calling us strong Black women mm-hmm. because that's what's been opposed upon us. But no one else has to live that. We We have to just be human. That's it's like we have these supernatural powers that no one else has. We don't have the ability to be, to just be, to just have weak moments, have down moments. We have to be strong all the time. And it's killing us. Mm-hmm. It is legitimately killing us. And we have to just get rid of the wrong teachings. That, that's something that's been passed down to us generationally. Um, because we are descendants of people from of from the slave trade, mm-hmm. disconnected from the African diaspora, and we have no idea what our actual lineage is. We can guess and we can take these DNA tests, but we don't really know. Mm. And the thing about the slave trade and the thing about trauma in general is it is passed down through your DNA. Um, studies have been done on it. It's called epigenetics. It, it's been yes. done on people who lived in civil wars, victims of the Holocaust. Um, oddly enough, not not on the descendants of slaves. Um, but I think we all know why. But um, yeah, so it's been proven that trauma is passed down to us in our DNA. Mm. Um, and DNA is changeable. Then on top of that, because we have lived this trauma, that trauma then comes out in our actions. Mm-hmm. It's come out, comes out in the way we were reared. So if you look at the patterns that we have in our families, that are alcoholism, that are abuse, that are broken families, that are dysfunction, that that are um, complexion issues, things like that. Those are that's ancestral, that's generational baggage that's passed down to us because we have this trauma. So trauma is a thing that manifests itself in the action. What is this, which is this baggage, and then we're passing that down generationally to our children. So we have this group of this broken people that have these wrong beliefs. And we don't know they're wrong. Wrong. We're just living our lives. Mm-hmm. But we don't know if our mind that our mind saying to us, "Hey, this is this is how you're supposed to live. This is how you're supposed to believe," because our ancestors were snatched up, beaten, raped, and brutalized. And it goes that far back. So now, going back to strong black woman syndrome, because we were brutalized for all of these years. We had to take it and we had to rise above. So all we know is being strong. We don't know how to, it's okay to break down. It's okay to have hard times. It's okay to show some weakness because we are human. Mm. And wow. it's, it's so heavy on us. So what I do is I work through women who recognize those wrong beliefs, recognize that, okay, some of these teachings, there, some of these thoughts you have, they're not your fault at all. 
they were these things were passed down to you. But now that you know, they are your responsibility to change them. Mm-hmm. And that's what we work through. We work through changing those wrong beliefs to create a legacy on purpose. Now, anyone you talk to, creating anything requires strategy. You, you have to know how to do it. You have a particular skill set. So we go from struggle to healing those wrong beliefs, to healing that baggage, to letting go of things that aren't yours, to deciding, okay, now that this weight is a part of me, what is it that I actually want to leave with the world? And then we start working on a process to create that. So every move that we make from then on is in service to the legacy that you want to leave behind. Hmm. So in a nutshell, that's what I do. <laughs> yes. I'm just taking it all in. Honestly, I was taking notes and everything. So I was a little quiet, but I'm just like, just, just in the, just a couple of minutes that you talked, it was just, my heart just got so heavy. I could just relate to so much of what you speak of. And I think a lot of us just know exactly where you're coming from. I want to kind of go back to some of the things that you talked about, if you don't mind. So one of the things that, of course, we've all heard about, and I just roll my eyes. And this was something that I was guilty of, too. And actually, it's funny because on uh, social media, probably in the last, I don't know, three to six months, I had made a post specifically about how I used to call people like, you know, when you're trying to give someone their props, like, girl, you are such a strong black woman, or, you know, you're doing your thing. You are just so strong, strong black woman. You hear that strong black woman, strong black woman, just so much. And I had to take a step back and say, let me stop putting that label on another black woman. Let me stop. Just it is. Oh, my God. It is so, so heavy. Absolutely. It's like, when can we not be expect or when when are we not expected to be strong? When are we allowed to be just like you said, just be just be women, be soft. If you want to be soft, be soft. If you want to be this way. But the strong black woman thing, that's what's at least speaking from my personal experience that can break you down like so much. So I want to talk about that. And like in your life, were you quote unquote, the strong black woman? And if so, how did that, how did that affect your, or was your mom like the strong black woman? Can you talk more about that? I think almost every black woman is the strong black woman. Mm -hmm. And um, when you're the daughter of a mother, you have those expectations. I'm the oldest of three. Um, mm-hmm. There's two girls and one boy. My brother's the baby. So he doesn't have those expectations. Wait, wait, at wait. All. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, but did you say you're the oldest? Yes, I am the oldest. Of and three. you have, and then your brother was the youngest. Yeah. And then I have a, my, my middle sibling is my sister. Um, okay. See, so I, I'm so sorry. I want to interject this because you brought something up. I am the oldest and my brother who recently passed away in 2017, he was the youngest. It was just two of us, not three. Thank you. And this is off the rails, but did your mom put like expectations on you being the oldest in comparison to your brother that was, and was your brother like the spoiled sibling? No tea, no shade. I love my brother dearly. My yes. siblings are my best friend, but sometimes I look at that young man and I'm just like, like, what do you do? and um we lost our mother two years ago um oh i'm sorry to hear that and um so i had to sort of shift into this matriarch sort of role um Mm. and it's just 
it was it's almost like trying to take the reins and raise a man. Mm-hmm. But he, he's the youngest child. He's her only boy. So it's just like, okay, we lost our mother. So I have, I, I need to be gentle, but also it's a brat. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I love him dearly. But mm-hmm. he's a brat. And mm-hmm. there are just so many things as the oldest child and the oldest and the oldest female child that I got that he didn't get. It was like my mother pushed me out a window and said, Go, go, go. figure <laughs> yeah. life out. Just yes. figure it out. Where's my brother? I'm just like, can, sir, can you wash dishes? Oh, sir. Can you, yes. can you do anything right now? Besides play and video games, right? Or uh, whatever my, my it is. Brother, no, he is an actual gamer. So you hit it right on the head. See? <laughs> brother is a gamer to the core, has a YouTube channel and everything. Oh, okay. Um, it's called Art God Sword. If anyone wants to find it, shout out to my <laughs> yes. Shout, shout it out again. What, what was it called? It's called Art God Sword. It's on YouTube. Okay. I don't really know what he does, but he finds it <laughs> very interesting. <laughs> See, I I am so with you, and I'm not even sure if this was the way the conversation was. Not that it was supposed to go in any direction, but it's just I find the the similarities incredible, and I'm sure that many of us have those similarities like especially if you are the oldest child like the daughter the oldest one and usually you're the one that's like at least for me my mom was just like and I don't know I don't know why this is but when that boy comes into the situation or maybe Mm -hmm. it was just my family I don't know I'm just speaking on my experience but it was just like all bets are off he was more to me from my from my viewpoint he was more coddled but I was the one that had to be like and he was the one that was doing all this nonsense, but I was the one that was like supposed to be responsible and doing all this stuff. And I'm just like, is this where that strong black woman came? Like, is that where it started? Like, even in our childhood, they were priming us to be this strong black woman. Yeah. And and the sons are always the prodigal son. Um, mm-hmm. As women, we really need, now I don't have any children, but I'm speaking from dating and observations. But as black women, we need to stop coddling our sons. We have to. Mm-hmm. We, we throw out, we throw our girls out a window, and we need them to be strong. But our sons, we teach them to get a strong woman, woman that is going to rear them and raise them instead of raising them ourselves. You raise a man. You you need to be raising a man that is marriage material. A woman, mm. another woman, should have to raise your son. Because you've coddled them and allowed them, allowed them to be lazy or not hit their hit their upper limits. That that's not another woman's job. That is your job. But here's the gag, though. Again, mm-hmm. you have to step back, look at your shadow self, and think about those generational those uh, that generational baggage. What have you been taught about men? Now, my grandmother told me something. When I was maybe 13 or 14, um, and she recently passed, God bless her. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but it stuck with me. And mm-hmm. this day I look at my family patterns and understand I was maybe 13, 13 or 14 years old. And my grandmother said to me, having a half a man is better than having no man. And as an adult, when I looked at the relationship, now my mother's one of six girls. My grandparents only had girls. Mm-hmm. And mm. wait a minute, yeah. my mom the same. My mom was the product of 
Huh? Stop playing with me. We this no. this conversation. Oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> well, I was gonna say not six girls. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five. Well, five girls. And I think my my mom's mom had another child, but it might have been a I don't know if it was a girl or a boy, but that child passed away like during childbirth or, or something like that. And I don't know if it was a girl or a boy, but five girls. Five girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a house full of girls. Mm-hmm. And when I tell you I look at the relationships that they have, you can tell that they were raised with that mentality that mm. half a man is better than no man. Mm-hmm. And I love my family. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but growing up, even let, let me get away from that, my aunts or anything. Let, let me just talk about my mom, who was mm-hmm. my best friend. Um, wasn't great at picking mates. Mm. wasn't wasn't good at it and she had a bunch of toxic relationships Mm. and Mm -hmm. as I got older I got into a bunch of toxic relationships because that pain that she dealt with that heartbreak those tears all of that I thought that's what love looked like Mm. I didn't know any better I, I, I watched my, I was, and going back to like being the oldest and being there, when my mother got heartbroken, was heartbroken, mm-hmm. I was the one holding her. I was oh the one gosh. listening to her pain. I was, she was crying her tears on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. And that was too much for any mm-hmm. child to bear. Oh, yes. But it was because she didn't have anyone. And she was, again, passed down those wrong teachings about love that as long as there's a man in the house you're fine oh my gosh he wasn't demanding to be loved the right way so um that actually is sort of a segue into how I ended up working with black women and how like I decided that enough was enough um Mm -hmm. I fell in love with someone like madly in love with someone and it was dysfunctional and it was emotionally abusive, as I had seen growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's all I knew. Any functional relationship I had only seen on TV. And I ended up, um, this, this relationship ended poorly. Mm-hmm. And I ended up attempting suicide. Oh, my gosh. So, um, twice. I, mm-hmm. I, 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 let, I, let me tell you, I left the psych ward, called her back and say, hey, I loved you so much that I tried to kill myself. And she was like, okay, whatever. And then I tried to kill myself again. Um, wow. So after some therapy and some time, I realized this is not love. Where did I learn that this was love? But all the relationships I had seen were dysfunctional and abusive and painful. I didn't know that people were supposed to be happy in love. And when they weren't, you take that on a chin. You woman up and you deal with it. You, you're a strong black woman that you're always a strong black woman. Mm-hmm. And I said, nope, not what I'm going to be. I'm going to write my own rules. So mm-hmm. I went through a, through a phase of spiritual healing and it took years, but it was necessary and it hurt like hell. Let me tell you, I will never pretend that healing doesn't hurt because it does, mm-hmm. but it is absolutely necessary. When you talked about love, what love looked like for your mom, what love looked like for you while she was dating, while you were dating, how you put kind of those stories together and, you know, how it it kind of, 
I don't want to say ruled your life, but how you led your life when you thought you were in love and were being treated with love and all that. When I was growing up, I think I have the opposite of what you had. My mom, not to put her business on the streets, but from my, from what I remember anyway, she didn't really date. And if she did, maybe I just didn't know about it. I don't know, but she didn't really date. And so my dad wasn't in the picture. My brother, me and my brother had different dads. My dad wasn't in the picture. My brother's dad wasn't in the picture beyond, I don't know. I don't know. He just wasn't in the picture. And so with her really not dating, at least not from what I remember anyway, now that I'm in, I'm in my forties, I have not, I can't even tell you one successful relationship I've had in my life ever, ever, mm -hmm. never. Mm -hmm. I couldn't tell you. And I was just talking to my therapist about this today. When she was asking me, do I feel worthy of love and some other stuff that she was talking about? And I had to tell her, I was like, you know what? I can't even tell you what love is supposed to or what, what it is and what it feels like. I can't even tell you if I've ever even really loved someone in a relationship more than just, hey, I like this person. I'll just say it's love. I don't even know what love is in that regard. So... Yeah, going back to you had your version of being a strong black woman. I had my version of being a strong black woman, which was, I don't need a man. Clearly I'm single now. I don't need a man to do what I need to do. Yada, yada, yada. I'm, you know, I'm being my own version of SBW. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 And, and there's nothing, I mean, there's nothing wrong with not needing a relationship because I'll tell people, look, if you can't understand what I bring to the table, mm -hmm. I want to hold one table. So if you can't equal me on that. <laughs> Mm -hmm. then there's nothing to be, there's nothing to talk about here. But, yes. um, but I also always like to take instances like, like yours and like mine and go back to the ancestral part of it where yes. our families were snatched apart, both when they were being, when they were being taken from the African diaspora and when they were brought here, when they were put into slavery, even through, um, free, through reconstruction, through Jim Crow, through redlining, through the welfare system, all of these mm. things, the mm -hmm. black family has been consistently torn apart. So we have children usually, um, being raised by their mother with an absent father. Mm -hmm. uh, and so if I don't have, to parents or how do I know what love looks like? I don't see, I can't see people loving themselves. The yes. most, the best thing you can do for a child is show them loving parents. And if they've never seen that, how the hell do you expect them to know? Mm -hmm. How? You, I, I can't, yeah. we, we mimic, we, we all, we mimic behavior. So right. I can't mimic behavior I've never seen. Yes, yes, yes. Or, or actually you can mimic it. <laughs> like I am mimicking what I am, you know, I'm definitely the product of the situation that I was raised. So I am mimicking what I saw. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. So what do we do in that situation when we don't know? And you don't know what you don't know. You don't know mm -hmm. why you see you're single. And again, nothing wrong with being single, but if right, you right. want to make, you're entitled to have that. Let me tell you, you are everybody. People can talk about entitlement all they want to spirit entitled you to have what you want to have abundance to have prosperity to have love you are entitled because you are a child of whatever spirit you believe in you are a child of to whatever creator or creators mm -hmm. you are a child of royalty so damn right you are entitled to everything that you want 
Yes. I'm sitting there knowing that I'm entitled to someone to love me. And I have to question why someone doesn't love me. What is that? Mm. Why, why, why is that? Why am I not pulling that in? What is it about my situation that I'm not attracting this love? And you can't, you can't attract what you don't believe in. If you don't, you, you can't attract what you don't see. You can't attract what you don't know exists. I'm mm-hmm. looking at, I was looking at something. My, just as another analogy, mm-hmm. my, my dream car is a Benz G Wagon. Okay. I, I need one in my life. All right. So, <laughs> yes. I, I need it. I, I feel like okay. I need it. Yes. Yes. I, yes. I yes. I don't, have, I don't have one today, but I didn't know that that was my dream car until I saw one. Mm-hmm. I didn't know because I didn't know it existed. And then I saw right. it. I saw it. I, I saw a friend had it, and I was like, "Shoot, this is this is glorious. I need that." So the so then from then on, I started seeing G wagons everywhere, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Because I, my my activation said, "You want that? Now you're going to see it everywhere. You know what it looks like." So I went and I, even though it's it's not necessarily in my, it's not something I can do right now. I went and I test drove. Who showed you that it was okay to aim high and go for your dreams while also just being yourself? For me, it was radio host Big Boy, Oprah, and KTLA news reporter Gail Anderson. In part, these people are the reason why this podcast specifically exists. This is the power of Black representation in media. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is more than a podcast. It's a celebration of Blackness from NPR where every voice is as distinct and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In this collection, you'll find stories of joy, resilience, and empowerment. Each episode, a living account of what it means to be Black today. From the intricate narratives of The Wire to the wisdom of Michelle Obama and the urgent call for reparations, Black Stories, Black Truths really is the truth. Space wasn't always made for our perspective, so NPR's new collection is necessary as it celebrates the richness of the Black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center Black voices. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get podcasts. Feeling more grounded and relaxed is Black girl peace for me. And so I really need that while doing things like uh, tackling my to-do list or even braving this crazy LA traffic. If you know, you know. So something that helps me tap in is Recess Mood. It's a delicious sparkling water made to enhance your relaxation time and mood without any alcohol involved. So what you will get instead is real fruit, mood lifting magnesium, and stress balancing adaptogens. And again, no alcohol plus no added sugar. So I've tried all the flavors and I really, really like strawberry rose. It's like um, a little burst of peace in the middle of chaos because again, for real, navigating this Cali traffic is insane. Now, recess mood is not only my go-to for staying balanced while on the go, but it's also good for chilling at home too. It's like having a little slice of relaxation right in the palm of your hand. So next time you need a little pick-me-up without the alcohol, without the hangover, give recess mood a shot. It's been a fantastic addition to my routine. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com forward slash self-care and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. 
my hair is kinky, it's coily, it's beautiful, it's all the things, but the dryness is real, so it's also prone to feeling parched. This is why Waze Anti-Frizz Cream is my new BFF. It not only changes frizz, but helps my hair feel more hydrated. Listen, summer is coming. We are trying to be outside, going to brunch, plus traveling, and summer activities aren't always kind to our strands, okay? So let me tell you what I do for this. I wash my hair every one to two weeks. Don't sleep on Waze Detox Shampoo, by the way, if you have hard water or buildup. I detangle, I smooth in a little of the Waze Anti-Frizz Cream, then shingle in my natural gel. My hair is frizz-free, it's hydrated, and it's cute for days. Love sleek styles? Waze Anti-Frizz Cream works as a heat protectant up to 450 degrees as well. Frizz-free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code SELFCARE for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code SELFCARE. Because I wanted to know what it felt like. Because mm, when, mm, when, mm. when I get it, mm-hmm. when, I, when I get it, I'm, I, that's how I'm going to feel. So I have to yes. sit here and reenact that feeling of what it's like to sit in the thing I want. So if I've never seen love, how can I react? How can I have that activation to love? You Mm -hmm. have to sit there and you have to, you have to visualize it. You have to think about how it'll feel when you're in love. You'll have to think about what that person may look like, what they sound like, what they smell like. You have to create that for yourself. So, you know, so, so you know when you see it, it's like that's that's what it was. There it is, mm-hmm. right there. But if I never never thought about it, didn't know what it was, how do I know? How do I mm. don't know? How do I know what I don't know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I'm sorry. Taking notes, taking notes, taking notes. <laughs> so, actually, you said something, and if you don't mind, I want to go back because I meant to ask you this before, but. I've heard of this term. I don't know what it means 100%. Can you talk about your shadow self? I know that there's a book about this, but I don't yeah. know exactly what that means. Okay. So shadow people um, people use it for various things. Shadow self is an old, um, not old, but it's, it's a Jungian phrase. Um, mm-hmm. And it's about those parts of yourself that you try to hide. We, we all mm. have a very carefully curated outside personality this part yes. that we want to show to people to make to make us look our best or what we think is our best it, it, even when people say i'm petty they go out their way to be petty because that's the part of them they want to see right they want people to see if you right. want to seem sophisticated if you want to seem wealth that's what you should you show them your wealth you buy these shoes you stand straight up you speak in a manner in which you feel like people think you're sophisticated because this is what you want to show to people now let's just say your biggest problem is your low-key ratchet <laughs> you don't want to do that that's yes. your self or let's just say you're a jealous person and you try to mm. it. but that's a part of who you are but people the world has told you it's not okay to be jealous but you know what humans are jealous they see mm-hmm. things and they go damn why not me so that may be one quality of your shadow self and you have to be Okay, with how you know it, how you know it's a shadow is if you you take a look and you realize it's part of you and you feel bad about it. You want to hide it. You feel embarrassed. That's how you know it's your shadow. But you have to switch that mindset and think, okay, this is part of who I am. I'm human. 
So I feel jealous right now. Let's just say you're in a relationship. You feel jealous of your your man's best friend who may be a woman. What? Mm-hmm. He's giving you no reason. They're friends. They've been friends for 20 years. Like, there's no reason. But there's a hint of jealousy in you. And you feel, you're like, wait, I don't want to be jealous. I'm embarrassed of being jealous. So I'll hide it. I'll put it down deep in the shadows so nobody can see it. But it's always there. So what are you going to do about it? It's going to reap its head. It's going to reap its ugly head up. And then y'all going to argue about stuff you didn't even need to argue about because your shadow self is creeping up. And you didn't Mm. acknowledge it. So you you sit there. And what I like to do um, when my shadow self comes up, um, my shadow self comes up with my fear of failure. I've Mm -hmm. I've accomplished a, a, a... a fair amount of things in my life. I've, I'm educated. I have a good career. I love what I do. Um, but I have an amazing fear of failing and fear mm. of seeing me fail. Um, so I, I have to sit down and I have to journal. Why am I, why am I scared of failure? What is it? And, and it hurts. I, I'll cry through it because these are things about yourself that you don't want to acknowledge. What will happen if I fail? Why do I, why do I fear this failure? What, what happens, what happens if if I fail? Will I die? What in my life has led to this fear? And you address it. When you address it, it's no longer in the shadows. Mm -hmm. It's in the dark. It's going to come to light. And you're like, okay, this is a part of me. Now that healing can occur. That's something that I'm healing. It's okay to tell people, look, sometimes I, I, sometimes I get a little jealous. I work on it. So I, I'm scared of failure but I'm working on it. It's okay. You know, Mm -hmm. so anything that you sit there and you feel like I have this quality that I'm embarrassed of, that that's where your shadow self lies. And people have lied to you and told you like, it's, it's to be ashamed of parts of you. I'm not ashamed of any parts of me anymore. It's just like, look, I'm an open book. I'm a human person. Here Mm -hmm. I am. And I do Mm -hmm. that because I want people to know that it's okay. There's a stigma on everything, especially when when you're a woman. You can't be a black woman and do anything. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can't, no, this skirt no. can't be too long. You can't be too short. Your hair can't be natural. You can't be perm. You yes. can't wear wigs. Can't wear like, red lipstick. Yes, like, yes, yes, yes. What do you yes, want yes. me to do? Like, you can't do, you do anything. Do? You can't do anything. And I'm just like, no, I do what I want because mm-hmm. again. I took a look at this legacy that I wanted to create and my like my mission statement is to assist black women into becoming their whole selves and whole and fulfilled selves on purpose. That is my mission. So how am I going to ask you to work with me? Hey, come work with me. Let me, girl, hold my hand. Let me walk you through this. I want you to be yourself on purpose. And I can't sit here and look in the mirror and say, Zakia, I love every part of you. And it's fine. And it's fine that people know. I can't say that if I'm not living it. So yes, I want people. You get in touch with your shadow self, and believe it's a process. And you gonna cry, and it's gonna hurt because these are things that are deep down in your spirit, not only from from things you've experienced, but again, that ancestral baggage and that generational mm-hmm. trauma. These things are always living there. So these things that you were taught come up, but you have to address them in order to heal. Hmm. Now, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. There's a there's a part of I used to think that I was just unlovable. It was just like Hmm. like after that relationship, it's just like no no one's gonna love me. I'm I'm broken. But I didn't want to tell anybody. If you saw me on the streets, like I was the baddest chick you ever seen, and everybody loved me. Hmm. But 
at home, I'll be like, um, this, this relationship broke me. And again, yes. I don't know what a, I don't know what a happy relationship looks like. So like, Sophia, you're unlovable. But I had to sit there and talk talk to my shadow self. Why do you feel you are? Why do you feel you're unlovable? What limiting beliefs do you have? What made you think that? And it's embar it would be embarrassing to say that to other people because people would be like, what do you mean you're not lovable? People want to tell you things just to just to have a narrative, just to have something to say. They don't want to dig deep into the substance. I, I mm. want the substance. I, I want that pain. I want that fire. I don't want to have a surface conversation. I want to know what's setting your soul on fire. But mm. um, but yeah, trying to trying to come up out of that, I feel unlovable space is difficult. But I had to look it directly in the face and say, why? Why do you feel that you're unlovable? And it's because these lives lies I've been told. Like I said, even. I love my mother to death. I miss her to death. But I had um, my stepfather. I was a chunky kid. So my stepfather um, never called me by my name. And they were together hmm. until I was 13 or 14. I was a chunky kid. And he called me fat ass. That was my name. When I would come in oh, the house, wow. he would be like, oh, you're eating? Fat ass. Like I got to, the, I developed bulimia. And um, I got to the point where I would never let anyone see me eat. If I was eating, I would go hide in the corner of the bathroom, oh, like behind the Oh my gosh. And that's oh why I developed gosh. those wrong behaviors. That's why I developed thoughts that no one will love me because he would say, you're, you're going to be as big as a house. No one will ever love you. And I was like five or six at the time, you know? So oh my gosh. I had to, and those are things I forgot as an adult. But when I sat there with my shadow self and my therapist, let me not act like these are all, these are things you can do without therapy because God mm -hmm. for therapy therapists on the earth to help us out people who say pray that pain away look stop it mm -mm, stop no, we don't believe in that <laughs> not here on this podcast we don't we don't we don't believe in that but some good therapy and a shadow self that came out and was like that's all i could say was there okay but once i knew i could work on the process of healing it wow that was a lot um <laughs> He just took me back. That was that was a lot. I'm so sorry that he felt powerful because that was definitely a power thing. Yeah. He wasn't concerned about your weight. He just wanted to be in that position of making himself be feel better for whatever reason or just being it was just a power thing for him to to, to speak that way to a five year old child is just mm -hmm. I don't yeah. know. But that's just something else. But um but you know, I now, have to take my power. And I'm for sure. Absolutely. At at thirty four yes. years old, you know, but it's, and you it's know you can. Absolutely, and I'm just it's weird because I think you mentioned just now that you had to go back and and some memories popped up. I have uh -huh. so many gaps, so many gaps in my childhood, um, and I spoke about this before, and I will always speak about it. I was molested when I was a kid, maybe about maybe about eight or nine years old, but and I remember that very clearly, but. I have so many gaps um, in my childhood. It's just, it's just so weird. Do you find in your, in your research and in your work, in your line of work, that we women that have gone through generational trauma and, and baggage and all that stuff, do you find that they have, is, is their memory com more complete? Oh. Am I just an oddball or? No, you're not yeah. an oddball. That, that definitely, okay. that definitely happens. Um, yeah. It happens with my clients. It happens with my friends. There are some, there's 
a lot of things. There are times when I'm just like, I know I lived through this period, but I remember nothing that happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you know what? Sometimes that sometimes that's your mind protecting you from trauma that you're not ready to face yet. Mm. And because again, the way trauma, the way things are transferred down, the, the mind is not. Your, your your DNA is not dumb. It's one of the most intelligent systems in the body. That's why we have evolution. Um, but so your mind is saying, look, and probably probably some spirit, whatever you believe, and I believe that mind and spirit go hand in hand. Um, but it's just like, there's some things in you that you're not ready to work with yet. And if some things come up, it might break you if you haven't done the, the, the foundational healing. You have to build those bricks up. Now, when I started having those memories, I had been doing the doing the shadow work, doing the legacy building and doing therapy for a while. So I was ready for that. And I had the tools in place. I had coaches. I had therapists to for it not to break me. So it's OK. That you, that's OK. That your mind wants to comfort you and put you in a put you in a burrito. The same people, the same reason you have maybe anxiety attacks are the same reason that you're about to go somewhere and you decide not to and you find out there's a there's a car crash or something that you're being protected um so those mind gaps are, they, they just happen they're frustrating it's like i know i should be remembering something but sometimes it's just not time for it and um i've also learned that you don't need to have a wider you, you just don't need it. You need to know what your body compass is saying. Now, even if you're feeling gaps in your memory, your body compass is saying there's something that is in my spirit that I need to heal from. And you may never know, but you can still heal. You can because you can work through those feelings. You can you know what the, you know what the thing makes you feel, even if you don't know exactly what it is. You know you feel it in your chest. You'll feel it in your stomach. You feel it in your head. It's something. So you hmm. treat that and say, whatever is in here, I am I am working on getting it out and healing it. And it might not, like I said, your your conscious mind might not be able to handle it right away. And hmm. it'll come up when it when it's ready. But you have to have that foundation or else it'll break you. Wow. Hmm. Oh. This is such an amazing call. Such an amazing call. I'm just learning so, so much. Um, so we talked about a lot of stuff right now. I want to ask you, um, in case someone's not quite ready um, or they're not able to, they're not in a place where they're comfortable or they don't have the means to see a therapist, like that resource is just for whatever reason not available to them. Yeah. Um, is there any resource or books that you might recommend um, or that you recommend for someone that just kind of wants to read a little bit more about some of the stuff we're talking about? Well, I read so much. There's, there's so many, there's so many things that um, yeah. I definitely, um, I recommend post-traumatic slave syndrome, but uh, the, mm. the name of the author is escaping me. Um, I will definitely look that up and add it to the show notes. Look up post traumatic slave syndrome. It's an amazing book. Also, um, mm-hmm. I don't know why authors are escaping me right now because just think of the names. Um, Women okay. Who Run With Wolves. She's a um, Hispanic author. Oh, like slave syndrome is directly in front of me right now. Hold up. 
Look at Spirit, putting it right in front of me. Her name is Dr. Joy DeGruy, D-E-G-R-U-Y. Um, it's called Be the Healing Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome, America's Legacy of Enduring Injury and Healing. That It's hmm. an amazing, amazing book. And it's the only um, the only thing I've ever read that talks about how this, this trauma is passed through um, the mm-hmm. descendants of slaves. Um, and like I said, women who dance with wolves. Um, I also read a lot of a lot of Wayne Dyer. Um, mm. And I, if if mm-hmm. we talk, if we're talking about shadow selves, go go back yes. and read some Jung. That that's where the theory started, and I I feel like that's exactly that that has the basis of the knowledge of what the shadow self is and how to address it. Um, and I would also read um, one of my favorite is W. E. B. Du Bois, Souls of Black Folks. So those are things. I think I- you. Did- what What was that last resource again? You said Zakia. Souls of Black Folks. Souls of Black Folk. Okay. Oh, and if you have not okay. read um, Asada, <laughs> I think it is, it is. It should be mandatory reading for all. Black women. And that's where I got a lot of my um, inspiration for what I do, personal revolution, um, post-personal revolution coaching. She talks about, she talks about the revolution and she talks about it. It's, it's revolution R slash evolution. So it's a revolution that's in line with the evolution of self, the evolution of community, the evolution of love, where she says, when she says the love is the revolution, you are the revolution. Um, there's one line which she said, you can't be a re- revolutionary woman with woman with a reactionary man. Like there's just, there's so many jewels in there that you just have to sit and read it. It's available on Kindle. It's available in your library. Um, if there's one thing that every black woman should read, it's definitely a Sada. Hmm. I have my book list handy. Thank you so, so much for that. I love a good book. I love a good read. So I'll definitely put that in the show notes for uh, this episode in case anyone else wants to pick up some of the books that you mentioned today. Let's talk about you before we wrap up. Since my focus is to um, leave us feeling just a little more inspired than we may have been before um, listening to the podcast, you know, what are some ways that you take care of yourself? Like what are some your favorite, some of your favorite forms of self-care, like, you know, today or recently? Um, sleep. Now I am, I was, I was always team no sleep. Like I'll sleep when I'm dead. Like sort of person. And then just as I got older and it's just like, no, no, you need to sleep. I was having, I actually had a, a breakdown from exhaustion, just working all the time, working the day job, running my businesses, taking care of my mom, things like that. So now it's, super imperative that I get sleep. Um, if you guys, have, if any of you want to know more about sort of the sleep initiative, I would follow the NAP ministry on Instagram. It's, <gasps> yes! <laughs> yes. <laughs> absolutely life-changing yes. for me. Yes, like, yes, it, it yes. Because I used to feel so guilty about sleeping. I would be like, I could be working right now. I could be doing things. I would fall asleep thinking of all the things that I could be doing instead of sleeping, which means I would wake up two hours later and do it. And then like, I'd just be running one eat. So definitely mm-hmm. um, getting to whatever your spiritual practice is, 
Um, but whatever your spiritual practices are, make them um, make them non-negotiable. I had a business coach um, about a year and a half ago, and I was just like, "Look, I'm having I'm having a little tr- trouble keeping up with everything. Like, what do you what do, what do I do? Especially, I was moving from New York to Cincinnati, like, and it was like a whole a whole change. And she said the one thing she said to me was, "Be non-negotiable with your ritual." And that was one of the realest things somebody ever said to me. Be non-negotiable. So there are things I'll do every Sunday night. I'll take a spiritual bath. I'll write a candle. I'll write out my manifest manifestations for the next week. Um, I used to be very much a to-do list person, but I got but mm-hmm. to-do lists become overwhelming because you're never really finished. You're just adding stuff onto it. But so I shifted those over to manifestations. What is it that I want to occur? in the next week and I do that every single Sunday and I put that intention out there from a spiritual space and not sort of a a novel or occupational space so um those are really the things I do most for self-care I love that oh gosh I love that and I love that she told you to be non-negotiable about it Yes, because sometimes we put that on the back burner and we're like, oh, we'll get I'll get around to it when I can when when Mm -hmm. I can. But when can you like if you don't carve out that I don't care if it's five minutes, 15 minutes, an hour, whatever minimal amount of time you can squeeze into your day just so that it it just to me, self-care just allows you to be the best version that you can possibly be of yourself at this moment, not in the future, you know, or anything like that, but just what is it? What self-care, it helps me to just like be in this moment, in this space, be present and be my best version of myself, whatever that, whatever I have to give, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So that's why self-care is so important. So when I don't do that, man, (laughs) it's just, it's a lot. And I can tell when I've been lacking because it's, it's a lot. So I'm glad that you had that, that approach. And it's a, and one of the first steps that, um, I walk my clients through in the portion of, of training that we do as far as, um, strong black women syndrome and dismantling that is mm-hmm. self care. Because once you shift from, I have to do everything for everybody else to wait a minute. I have to do this thing for me, even if it's just one, being non-negotiable mm-hmm. with that one, that one thing. This is my time. You set that mm-hmm. time off. This is what I'm doing, period. Nothing will knock me out of my square. That's when you start. It's a snowball effect. You start to realize how many things you haven't been doing for yourself. But here's the gag. These things that you haven't been doing for yourself, maybe eating right, maybe um maybe say, taking care of yourself physically, maybe taking vitamins, mm-hmm. anything that you haven't been doing yourself for yourself, I promise you, you've been doing it for someone else. Mm-hmm. You found the time to yep. do that. You're right. I hate that we put ourselves just on the back burner, just so much, so much we put ourselves on the back burner when, and I'm a strong believer in, you may get away with it, I guess, quote unquote, get away with it now, but Man, it comes back and it bites you in the ass. Yes. And it's magnified. Yes. You know what I'm saying? It's it comes back and it's magnified. That time you didn't take in investing in yourself, whatever that looks like for you. 
because our self-care is so different and so personal. You know, our needs are varied and different. Our situations and finances, all that, you know, it's all different. I get that. But I find that when I'm not taking care of myself, my body's like, oh, okay. You done skipped Monday, Tuesday. Oh, you skipped all of May? Oh, you skipped this week? Oh, okay. So then I'm going to shut it down for you so that you have to take some time. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to, sh- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop. You. I'm going to shut you down, sis, because you just not listening to me right now. And my body has done that. I'm embarrassed to say my, how many times my body has done that to where it was just like, nope, no more. You're done. Just go sit down somewhere. You're, you're finished, please. So I now just, I don't even allow myself most times to even get to that place. I just see it as preventative maintenance. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So where can we find you on social media Um, and online? You can find me at withzakia.com. And I know my name is hard to spell, but it's with W-I-T-H, Zakia, Z-A-K-I. Y-Y-A-H.com. And all my social media handles are the same. Instagram.com slash with Zakia. Facebook.com slash with Zakia. Twitter.com slash with Zakia. Um, so it should be pretty easy once you, <laughs> once you know how to spell my name. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time, Zakia. It was such a pleasure having you on. Thank you for having me. This was an amazing conversation. All right, guys, I hope that you um, got as much value as I did from this episode with the amazing Zakia Walker. Um, We did deep dive quite a bit and and have some real talk about trauma and and, um, being the strong black woman and um, how half a man is better than no man at all and how that just affects our lives when we are uh, either directly or indirectly uh, tied to uh, toxic situations and toxic relationships. So um, I know that was a lot. I hope that you were able to um, get a hold of um, that book list. And if you didn't, I will make sure that that information is in the show notes, as well as if you'd like to connect with Zakia, her com- excuse me, her information will be in the show notes as well. So that is it for this episode. I will see you next Monday with uh, another special guest. But in the meantime, have a blessed week and um, I'll be back soon. Take care.